The number one offensive team in the NBA is now winning games defensively. We'll take a look at what the Jazz have done the last few nights defensively to carry them to victories. Plus, Rudy Gobert's expanded defensive role and the power rankings. Where do they all sit for the Utah Jazz right now and how do they project? It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. Pow! You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. Today is the 28th of December. I don't even know what day of the week it is. It's a Tuesday, and today's show is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't want or need, and you can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. I got a Truebill notification today that told me that I had uh, I was um, I had a huge increase in a payment, and they were concerned. I like that. Hey, good morning, crew. Lee Riker, Farmington Service and Towing, which has probably been really ass busy here recently. Uh, free plug. Uh, Lacey, how are you? Nice to hear see you this morning. Lee and Dustin and Bryce, of course. All there early. Glad to have everybody aboard. We're back. We took a day yesterday um, and glad to have you back with us. Jazz win again last night. The final score um, in last night's ball game was the Jazz 110 and the Spurs 104. The Jazz have, have linked a few defensively here. Um, and I want to talk about that. The, the, they're winning the last few games defensively. And, you know, without Donovan Mitchell on the floor, the Jazz have been a better defensive team this year, and that showed again last night. And with Donovan on the floor, they've been a better offensive team, uh, and it showed last night that they that they really missed him um, in last night's game uh, as well. So the Jazz last night held the Spurs to an offensive rating according to clean the glass of 100, but the Jazz offense was only a 105.8. So last night uh, was really a defensive win more than anything else. They um they pulled that off and um were able to to do it and no DeJounte Murray for the Spurs and he's their best plus minus player so and there's no Luka Doncic for Dallas so maybe you know the other side of this would be if you you better win these two games defensively um but I think it's important I I don't think the Jazz have been playing particularly well defensively and I'm I'm not sure that heading into this stretch I was completely convinced that they still had that clamp down defense kind of when you have, you know, when you've really got to put it down on someone. Um, their best defensive games coming into this little stretch were Oklahoma City opening night. Then they had a really good defensive game against a shorthanded New Orleans team and a, and a good uh, defensive game against Philadelphia. But those were both in November. And there had not been kind of a high-level defensive game the game last night was the jazz seventh best defensive performance of the season the charlotte game was their sixth best defensive game of their season um so we're beginning to see you know some more stretches in there and if we're you know we've also had some games where we've won a bunch of games not being very good defensively in cleveland we weren't great defensively uh we were able to win in boston we weren't when we beat portland last time uh the minnesota and dallas wins on the 23rd and 25th uh we're not 
some of our better defensive games, and that was without Luka. So to see the Jazz against Charlotte on the 20th and then last night against the Spurs on the 27th actually pull off a few wins that are being done on the defensive end, I thought that was um, a good sign. I want to go back uh, and kind of walk through. We, we haven't talked since Christmas, so if you don't mind, the Christmas Day game, because I thought there was something important on the Christmas Day game, uh, which was that the late in the game, the Jazz switched, played Royce O'Neal guarding uh, the... Royce O'Neal guarded Jalen Brunson and Rudy Gobert guarded Chris Porzingis, knowing that they were going to run a pick and roll. And what the Jazz did then is switched Gobert onto Brunson. And Brunson went three of nine shooting when Gobert was the closest defender. And to me, this is a little bit of an expansion of Rudy Gobert's defensive role on things. Um, and what I mean by that is the Jazz, you know, a few years ago just played drop big and tried to drive people to Rudy. Now we're basically taking Rudy to the ball. And saying, fine, you want to run pick and roll, you want to get Rudy anywhere about we we would love to have Rudy guard you. And you know, the fact is that Rudy is by far the best defensive player in the NBA. The impact that he has on games is just astronomical. He's you know, we can run through the numbers when they're within six feet of the basket. I think it's 17%. It's something crazy here. Let's uh so far this year, when Rudy Gobert is defending, teams players shoot six percentage points below the league average uh, teams players shoot 42% uh, when Rudy Gobert is the closest defender, he's defending 21.5 shots a night. It's, it's a crazy, crazy number. When you get inside six feet, it gets even more remarkable. So you now know the guy's not going to drive on Rudy. Um, and you know, when I asked Quinn, ask people about it, teams are shooting 12 players are shooting 12 percentage points below league average on Rudy Gobert inside six feet. San Antonio did a pretty good job last night. By the way, Evan Mobley is at 16.5% on that. 16.5%. He's amazing. The other one, when you look at Gobert, is how well he defends the three. The fact of the matter is that Rudy gets out and defends the three very, very well. And so when you have a player of that sort, like Jalen Brunson, he does hit the step back three in the corner as one of his makes, but I'm not sure it's a problem. Gobert defends our most three-point shots in a game, 4.9. Players shoot five percentage points below average. Um, Joe Ingles actually defends the three very, very well with his length also. Um, So what we're seeing is the Jazz willingly switching Rudy Gobert onto the ball and getting him involved. Everything the Jazz are doing defensively is about getting Gobert more and more and more involved defensively. And we're seeing the Jazz make changes to how they – Um, do that so sometimes it's by having him guard Terrence Mann as we saw in the playoffs but now they're doing that a little differently where Rudy's just hanging in the middle and there's an unguarded if there's a poor shooter Rudy's staying in the middle and not guarding that guy in the case of Kerstaps Brzingis who's not a great post-up player it's a little bit of a tribute to Royce here too where the Jazz said fine we're gonna have Royce guard that we're willing to have Royce go into the post and defend against uh, so, you know, you have to kind of have it two ways. So you have to give Royce the credit as well. If you look at that game, like we always like to with our, you know, advanced metrics, the jazz defensive rate, first game quarter jazz defensive rating was a one fifteen, or for the whole game. The jazz defensive rating was a one fifteen, which is not great. In the first quarter, the jazz had a very good quarter. It was an 89. They came out, they really played great defensively early. They jumped on them. And then Dallas, it was a one forty two in the second, which was brutal. 
um, allowed 1.42 points. They were better in the third at 1.04. And then in the fourth quarter, the Jazz defensive rating was a 125. But if you start to get this one down to the final five minutes of the game, when the Jazz made this kind of change and were willing to suddenly have Rudy defend in that area, the Jazz defense got much better. And the um, late in the ballgame, they were able to make the plays uh, they needed to make. And then offensively, the Jazz were pretty electric in that stretch. So we, we're seeing the Jazz kind of make some of those changes, do the deal with them uh, very well. But I do think, you know, defensively, I just don't think we've been very sharp this year. And I don't think defensively we've shown the ability to stop elite level teams. And the Spurs without DeJounte Murray is not an elite level team. We did a nice job last night because we didn't have Donovan Mitchell. So if you're going to win that game, you're going to have to win it in the fashion that we did um, last night. But that's not a, that's not an elite level offensive team without Murray. They were the fourth best offensive team in the league over the last 15 games. And last night we held them to 99.0. That's, you know, I think there's a value to that. And it shows that we can do it. Like I think that that's my take. The defensive ratings last night, 108 by the in the first quarter. Um, then in the second quarter, an incredible 57 as the Jazz clamped down. Hassan Whiteside was a large part of that. In the six minutes, Whiteside was on the floor. They really struggled to score. Trent Forrest at a 33 defensive rating. The third quarter was a 104. And then in the fourth quarter, the Jazz defensively uh, were not as strong. They kind of let it get away, but that game was done uh, by that point. A um, lot of talk about Trent Forrest. We'll touch on him in a second. Um, last night, I, I have two thoughts on it. Um, one, it's a sign of how good we are when we're worrying about that. Rudy Gobert's defensive rating last night in 25 minutes was an 86.2. Um, uh, Son Whitesides was a 97.7. Those are two pretty strong. We allowed a bunch of points late um, and kind of let it go, let the rope go when we had the game won. Uh, on that one. All right, we'll talk some more about those two things. We'll take some of your questions. Then third segment today, I really want to run through the power rankings and some of the numbers, projections. Things are looking interesting right now. Jazz heading into a a really hard stretch of a lot of road games uh, coming your direction. And so that will be interesting to see how they handle it, but it'll be, uh, it's worth kind of coming out. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Murdoch Chevy. Murdoch Chevy is located in Woods Cross and located in Logan. Um, if you had a Chevy Silverado or a Chevy, um, uh, uh, what's the other truck, Colorado, uh, you are certainly gra- glad about it the last few days. That snow squall was something else. $1,500 off the 2022 Silverado right now uh, is a great deal going on. Also over the Equinox, which um, is a beautiful uh, SUV and the Blazer both have 0% for six years. Right now going on there. And the Trax is the smaller SUV for six years. Also 0% on the 2022 and a $500 red tag bonus cash on popular vehicles right now. That's all going on at Murdoch Chevy located in Woods Cross. Also located in Logan. Feel free to email me first. I'll set you up with a VIP meeting with our good friends over at Murdoch Chevy and Murdoch Hyundai. Today's show is brought to you as well by Intercap Lending. That's the great Steve Carter doing amazing things for you over at Intercap. He does fabulous work. He helps all of our clients out. The reviews that come through are incredible. We give you the corporate discount. Intercap is a nimble lender. And what Steve Carter does is so great. Uh, In fact, it was Joshua the other day who's out in Florida wondering whether or not we can help him out. And what did he say? Um, Absolutely. Great to meet you. Email back. Got to him on the 27th and they're on their way, even though he is in uh, Florida. So uh, I'll be there. Riker, I saw your email come in. I think I got it connected to two of you. So my bad on that. 
Um, I think I, I may have missed that one uh, along the way, and I apologize. Uh, but I do know, Riker, you're one of our, our legendary guys, so I wanted to make sure that uh, you know I'm, I'm still there to take care of you on that. Uh, feel free to email me first because we will uh, just set you up with the personal lineup. Uh, I love the way I, you know, the, the emails come in. Here's one um, from Dan. Uh, I thought I'd give a shout out to the sponsor of yours, Locked On Jazz, Steve Carter. I need to move quickly on an offer on a house. I contacted Steve on Sunday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. Fully expected a call back Tuesday. Instead, I received an email right back, provided him what, what he needed. And by 1030 on Sunday night, I had everything I needed. I would give him five stars, more than five stars, if possible. That's Steve Carter. That's Intercap Lending. Feel free to email me first, and uh, we'll set you up with a meeting with Steve. You can email me at dlock09. Or if you want to, you can reach Steve Carter at Intercap directly. Just make sure you, when you do, you tell him that you're part of Locked on Jazz, and you can get the corporate discount. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. Here's Steve's number, 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Let's take some of your questions as we continue through. Charles says, I still have worries about the defense. You know, it's interesting, Charles. I think it's a, a legitimate question. I was looking at some things today. So if we look at, you know, what have the Jazz done against the best offenses? Because, frankly, this is an offensive-driven league, and offenses are still going to rule the day. So I kind of feel the same way you do. So we're the best offense in the league. So we can't really, you know – judge that so we played charlotte who's the second best offense in the league their offensive rating is a 113.7 we held them to a 98.1 hayward didn't play but that's still 15 points better than average atlanta a 112.8 we played atlanta twice we held them to a 101.1 and a 102.2 so both of those 10 points below their average i think trey played in both those games uh, Golden State, we have not played. Chicago, 112.7, fifth best offense in the league. We've lost to, we lost to Chicago earlier this year. And defensively against Chicago without Mike Conley, we held them to a 102.9. So that's a 112.7 difference. That's another 10 points better than what we did. Against Memphis, who's the sixth best offense. What about Memphis? Ninth best differential, sixth best offense. 15th best defense, and they just keep winning. And no one, they're kind of the forgotten team because of the West Big Three. When we played Memphis, we allowed a 121.4. So there's a bad defensive performance against a Memphis, a good Memphis team. That's one of our worst defensive performances of the year. We have not played Phoenix. We did not play Milwaukee at full throttle. We have not played Brooklyn. We played Indiana, who's got the 10th best offense in the NBA. And we held that they were a 112.5 against us. Their numbers are 111.8. So we were average against them in our loss. So, you know, I, I think that Memphis got us. Charlotte, Atlanta, Chicago, we got pretty good against the best defensive team. So I kind of agree with you, Charles, but I'm not sure we actually have a huge leg to stand on in that regard. Um, and... So I think that's an interesting, you know, kind of way to look at it um, is to look at how we've done against the best. And we're going to learn more. We play Golden State coming up here on the back end of a back-to-back. we got Phoenix coming up here. We've got to play some of the best teams. Dustin says, last night's game starred two of the best screen assist centers in the league. Only notice this because I've listened a lot for 100 years. Well, that either means I'm old uh, or you've been listening for a long time. I didn't check Rudy's screen assist last night, but the um, 
very much the game plan last night was that San Antonio wants to push, <coughs> excuse me, wants to push everything to the side. And so when that's the case, one of the things you do is you set an area screen rather than the screener doesn't always go to the ball. You have an area screen. And so then the ball handler comes off the screen um, it, or Rudy really has to get a, a hit on someone. He had five screen assists last night for 13 points. So they were going under. We hit some threes. Rudy contested 21 shots last night. Hassan Whiteside contested 15. That's great defensive work. There was an interesting shooting aspect to last night's game. Uh, the San Antonio Spurs opened the night last night in the first quarter of the game. We talked about this on the radio broadcast last night. I had my daughter on stats again last night. She's killing it. Second time she's done. So in the first quarter, the Spurs went 10 of 10 in the paint, 3 of 3 at the rim, and 7 of 7 in the paint non-restricted area. In the second quarter, the Spurs went 1 of 9 in the paint non-restricted area. So they were 8 of 17 now, 8 of 16. The third quarter, they went 0 for 3. So now all of a sudden, they were 8 of 19. In the fourth quarter, they got back to making some. They were 5 of 10. It's a tough way to live, that shot right there. And the Jazz generally um, defend it pretty well. That, this was also an interesting game because in the first quarter, these are two defensive teams that had a system. In the first quarter, no, the only one corner three was taken by the Jazz. It was missed. In the second quarter, no one made a corner three. So at halftime, the two teams were a combined 0 for 4 on corner threes. In the third quarter, we missed our two. Spurs finally hit some. They went three of four on corner threes as they got out in transition and ran a little bit. And then we hit one in the fourth. They hit one as well. So for us on that night, we only go one of six on corner threes last night, which is one of our lowest corner three nights of the season. And uh, it's a sign that the Spurs really had a way in which they were playing us, which they were hugging the shooter, forcing us to kind of play with a lot of two-point shots in and around the basket. We went 19 of 33 around the basket, 8 of 16 on the floaters. Um, but that's us having to adapt to the way the Spurs were playing because the Spurs were were completely taking away our catch-and-shoot three-point game. I haven't looked it up, but I would guess we had almost nothing last night or, or very, very little last night in regards to catch-and-shoot because uh, the Spurs simply were not going to give up that um, give up that shot against to us last night. That was Pop's game plan. They were going to drop Pirtle, play big, and make us um, get down. We actually had a few. Let's see. Ingles last night, or Bogdanovich went 0 for 5. Clarkson went 1 for 4. Joe went 2 for 2. Rudy Gay 1 for 2. Mike Conley 0 for 2. Royce O'Neal 0 for 2. So some of it's just we missed 11, 13, 15, 17. Four of 17 is particularly low uh, for us, and 17 is actually a decent number. So we actually got some and just didn't make them. Um, but the Spurs were really hugging our shooters, not giving us three-point shots. And for the second straight time playing San Antonio, we ended up taking uh, – both teams took about the same amount of threes, which is really unusual considering that they take the fewest amount of threes in the league and we take the most amount. We took 31, they took 30. So in the two games, they've actually taken more threes than us despite the fact um, have uh, been able to handle it. So. Um, let's go to this question, which is absurd. Um, I don't understand why so many players have COVID if 95% of the league is vaccinated. Do you not believe in the vaccine? Do you not read anything that's accurate? So the way it works is if you have the vaccine, you have the boost that you have almost no reaction to this. And that's where some people are calling it 
similar to a cold, which is what a lot of people are reiterating back. But if you don't have the vaccine and you don't have the boost, then you're having much more significant symptoms. So the vaccine actually works perfectly. The Omicron variant happens to be able to um, be the variants a little different on what your vaccine is. So it's able to get through there so that you get infected, but you don't get the reaction because the vaccine's working. Feel free to read accurate sources. Uh, it's, it's a neat trick. It's a, it's a neat one. More people should try it. Um, let's get to any other questions we had. I was going to touch on one other aspect of things. Um, but I do really want to, um, get to, here's a good question coming in. Uh, is Cleveland actually good or just playing in the East? I actually think Cleveland's good. If you go back to the last month, they have the best differential in the league. Um, they, uh, have done something really interesting with their size. Evan Mobley is a you know, they're doing two things that aren't being valued a great deal in the league, right? We talk about how Rudy Gobert is really important offensively because he rolls to the basket. Jared Allen's doing the same thing for Cleveland. And they have Evan Mobley, who does the same thing Rudy Gobert's doing by defending the rim and that. Um, you know, I think that that's a really interesting um, thing. that they're, they're highlighting the areas that we talk a lot about on this show that are not valued as highly in the NBA, which is, you know, rim attack, layup, shots at the rim, basket. You know, we're the number one shooting team in the league at the rim. That's really the reason why we're the best offensive team in the league is because of our rim shooting. And teams are denying the rim at an incredibly high rate in this league right now. That's the biggest thing. And teams shoot 64% at the rim. We're actually now, Jazz and Golden State are the two best rim shooting teams in the league. Golden State's up to 70.3. This is, again, like a little bit of a misnomer on Golden State. Like everyone talks about, oh, the staff and the threes. Yeah, it just opens up the middle of the floor, and so then everyone gets to the basket. What Golden State and the Jazz do, they shoot basically 37% from three, and they shoot 70% from the rim, and that's getting the two of them to be the best offenses in the league. And what's hard to do is shoot at the rim in this day and age. The the amount of shots at the rim is down to 32% of shots are at the rim. If you go to five years ago in the NBA, uh, 35% of shots were at the rim. If you, you know, it, it started with Brooke Lopez and Milwaukee taking this away. At one point, we were as high as 36, I think, percent of shots at the rim. And now, so far this season, you only have, despite all the threes, you have 32% of the shots at the rim. Well, if you're a team like the Jazz and you suddenly get a bunch of rim shots, that, that matters. We're not a huge rim shooting team because Rudy's really our only one. We're 22nd in the league. Same thing with Golden State. Golden State's not a big rim shooting team. They're 13th in the league, but they just do it well. Cleveland is eighth in the league at shots at the rim. Um, and then they defend the rim very, very well uh, on the other side. So I actually, um, I actually thought Cleveland looked totally legit when we, um, when we got that, when we saw them the other night, I thought they were, they were absolutely fabulous um, on that. Trent Forrest is something I want to talk about and power rankings. We'll touch on both of those um, things a little bit. Um Lacey asked a good question. Curious what feed you have while calling the game from here rather than being in the arena. You're able to see more than we did on saw on TV and you did a fantastic job of painting the picture. Thank you. So this year they, because we've done it, we did at the end of last year. I also, I have something called camera one. So I have the TV broadcast in front of me. And then I also have just the general wide angle camera. So when I was able to talk about pop going after the rookie official the other night and really trying to intimidate the hell out of her, I, I saw that on camera one. I'll, I'll switch to camera one as much as I can. The TV is often in a replay, showing a graphic, doing a sponsorship. Um, when Royce O'Neal got hit last night, you know, they're on Boyan. I wanted to see how Royce was doing. could see he was bending down, still in pain behind um, 
you know, behind him. So you're able to see some things. This is where we've just kind of gotten better and better at this, unfortunately, um, over the time. So that's helpful to add to it. And I appreciate your nice words, Lacey. Hopefully we don't have to do it for long. Um, it's not easy to do. It's not really great fun to do. And it's not nearly as connected to the team and to do it in a way. Um, so uh, I think that's, um, it, you know, but I appreciate your nice comments. That's that's very kind of you. Uh, today's show is brought to you, as I mentioned earlier, by Truebill. Truebill is a pretty interesting uh, company. Their, their main thing they really do is they're helping you out uh, so that you stop paying for 8 million little subscriptions here and there that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about those reoccurring fees. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts. Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap and your Truebill concierge is there. When you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to, Truebill has over 2 million users help save them over a million hundred million dollars. Go right now to Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Save thousands a year. Truebill.com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.ag. If you played last night's jazz game, that was crazy. The final shot of the game altered the line. The line was seven, and the game went from six to eight. So depending which side you were on, that tap-in at the end of the game that was irrelevant flipped the game. How crazy is that? Um, NBA futures right now at betonline.ag. Brooklyn's plus 265. Warriors plus 375. Milwaukee plus 750, and finally the Suns now are plus 900, and the Jazz are at plus 1100. Lakers still hovering at plus 1200. The respect for LeBron is pretty significant there. Um, conference futures they have Brooklyn at plus 135, and Milwaukee at plus 350. On the Jazz end of things, they have the Warriors at plus 140, Suns at plus 450, Lake Jazz at plus 500. And really, they still have Miami as a contender at plus 550. If we think the Jazz are at plus 500, they have. Um, they have them at plus 550, so uh, probably should. That's all at betonline.ag. That's our preferred place to get your gambling done, so go join in and use the promo code LOCKDOWN to get a 50% welcome bonus. Uh, Trent Forrest played 20 minutes last night. He really played well. You know what he really – you're hoping out of Trent Forrest is that he can be our version of Gary Payton the second. Where's it Gary Payton the third? Um, you know, Gary Payton has been playing these kind of big minutes for the Warriors coming in with tenacious defense, really impacting the game. Um, you know, Trent last night was minus two in his 20 minutes. You want him to hold down the 40, had four rebounds, two assists. Um, and the Jazz, you know, are getting quality minutes out of him. He, he reduces Mike's minutes down. Mike played 28 minutes last night, which is just terrific. Um, and Mike was plus eight last night for the Jazz. Uh, you know, I do also think there's a little bit of this, like it was a big storyline last night after the game. <coughs> and Trent's really, he's he's very good at, angles and defense and that there's, there's also a part, you know, we've won what 13 to 15, like there's not a lot to talk about. So we're going to dig in on that um, a little bit and see um, what, you know, that that's a little bit of that storyline. I, I, I don't want to overplay it. I thought Trent was really good. You know, he, he brings a value. He runs the team. Well, the guys love him. That's I think the most interesting thing to it. All right, let's check out some of the power rankings. NBA.com power ranking came out. John Schumann. I always tell you that's the like must read. Of the week, and um, John just does incredible um, work. There's some really good contact on NBA.com, and I think it sometimes uh, gets lost. John's particularly. So the Warriors have regained the number one spot. The Suns went to the number two spot, and the Jazz jumped to the number three, or at the three spot. So we have the top three. 
Brooklyn is at four. Milwaukee is at five. And Cleveland, for them, is at six. With Chicago at seven, Miami at eight. So the East, it's interesting here, is the East has six of the top nine teams. The Jazz just have one. The West just has one through three. But not dramatically. I don't think anyone believes the Warriors, Suns, and Jazz are dramatically better than Brooklyn and Milwaukee. Memphis, they have at nine. Philadelphia and Boston at 10, 11. Charlotte at 12. So now you suddenly have the East with eight of the top 12 before Denver checks in at 13. So a little bit of an interesting um, perspective there uh, on whether the East or where the East or West um, sits. The one thing John does is updates us on every week on where that head-to-head matchup is between the East and the West. And right now, the latest on the East versus West is the West is 90 and 83 against the East. So there are 52 winning percentage, which is a little less than what we've seen in the past. The Jazz, by the way, at this point, have the easiest strength of schedule of any team in the NBA um, up to this point. So, um, you know, we have these big games coming up here with the Warriors and Phoenix and some of those kind of things. Uh, ESPN put out their power rankings. They have the Warriors at one, the Suns at two. They have Brooklyn at three, the Jazz at four, Milwaukee at five. So the top five, the same. They went to Chicago over Cleveland. They went Chicago, Miami, then Cleveland uh, and dropped Cleveland eight, Memphis at nine. So they have the same top nine, just in a little bit different order. And then Philadelphia at 10 with Denver and the Clippers ahead of Charlotte, which I think I would agree with. I'm not sure. I think Charlotte deserves that amount of praise. Now, I always like to look at the numbers a little bit because I think they tell us some trends. Basketball reference and 538. Here's the playoff possibilities and projections for what they see in the East Conference. This is crazy. In the East, they right now project the Cleveland Cavaliers to finish the year with the best record in the NBA. I have a hard time, or best record in the Eastern Conference. I have a hard time with this, but based on their schedule so far, how they're playing recently, what they're doing, their SRS rating, their simple rating system that they use, the Cavaliers are the best team in the Eastern Conference, and they project them at 53 wins, Brooklyn next, Chicago, Miami, and then Milwaukee switching to fifth. I, I kind of believe in Milwaukee a little bit more on that one. Than some others, but a super interesting little analytical look at things. The idea that Cleveland could be the one seed. Over on the uh, Western Conference, they have the Warriors at 62, Phoenix at 59, the Jazz at 58. They have us a 23% chance to win the finals, a 32% chance to win the conference. <coughs> Excuse me. Memphis is the four seed. And then there's a 11 game gap between three and four and a 17 gap between three and five. Dallas at 41.6, Denver at 41.5. So we would open with Denver who could have Jamal Murray back by then. Minnesota at 40.7 at seven Clippers at eight at 40.4 Spurs at 40.1 at nine. And the Lakers make the play in game at 35.8 with the Blazers at 35.1. Hmm. Who mentioned anything about the Lakers possibly having to play in a playing game when the season started and that they would have to play the final 20 games of the season at full bore? And that would be the issue of whether that – I can't remember anyone who said anything like that. Over at 538, they have it a little different, no surprise, because that Cleveland thing's a little stunning. They have the Nets as one, the Bucks at two, the Bulls at three, the Heat at four, the Sixers at five, and the Cavaliers not till six. So this is – Kind of the first time we've ever had people looking at numbers and having them come out dramatically differently. <coughs> Excuse me. To what we 
have seen over in the West, the Suns at 58, the Jazz at 58, the Warriors at 56 with a drop to the Grizzlies at 47. But they actually have the Nuggets clicking into 46 and getting awfully close there instead of the big drop with the Mavericks at the sixth seed, the seventh seed in the West being the Timberwolves at 40, the eighth seed being the Clippers, the ninth being the Trailblazers, and the tenth being the Spurs ahead of the Lakers. They have the Lakers missing the play-in game at 538. They have a 36% chance of us making the finals and a 21% chance of us winning the finals. We'll take that. How about that? That should make everyone happy. Um, uh, Let's see. Charles says 538 is really weird this year. So is basketball reference. Kind of a funky year. and things are um, are a little wacky, a little different. I'm glad to see our chat room has gone into a complete CDC, Omicron, COVID discussion that I'm not going to be a part of. Um, so anyway, uh, it's interesting to see that there's a lot of really knowledgeable people parlaying a lot of information that gets rebuked. Um, but that's the story of our world right now. Um, all right. That is Locked on Jazz today. Thanks very much. Jazz and the Blazers. Blazers were miserable last night. I'll have to watch that one today. Hope you're having a good one. Talk to you soon.